Welcome to Building Stronger Communities, a presentation of MRB Group and our Smarter Local Gov team. MRB Group has been supporting local governments for nearly a century with engineering, architecture, and infrastructure development, and our Smarter Local Gov team has been designed to tackle community development and management challenges facing our local government partners. This podcast features conversations with professionals and community leaders sharing stories, information, and resources that come from a municipal knowledge base that's 100 years in the making. From the James R. Gresson Studio, in the historic Culver Road Armory, this is Building Stronger Communities. So we're here today to talk uh, about something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's, It's the work that I've been doing kind of continuously throughout my service in local government. And uh, it's not a surprise to me that when MRB groups started looking at uh, at local government services, that grants were one of the first things that they that they picked up on. And so uh, every community has infrastructure needs. Every community has funding needs, resource needs, uh, and there's always more need than dollars. And so uh, our our guest today is the person who most often is able to match up those uh, those available dollars to those community needs, uh, and who is really, really, honestly making a difference in uh, in our client community. So I'm happy to welcome Emily Palumbos, who is our director of grant services here at Smarter Local Gov and MRB Group. Welcome, Emily. Hi. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about how you got started in the grant world? Um, what's what keeps you coming back to it every day? What what's your what's your passionate about as it relates to grants? Well, grants are certainly just an immense opportunity, and I I kind of fell into it. I happened to to read a grant and kind of really understood the language that they were speaking, and that was a reflection, I think, of of my previous government experience. And so, having that feeling like I had a niche and the ability to kind of really answer the question, I um, really started working and looking into multiple grants and looking at different opportunities, and these grants really can make or break uh, community projects and and bring their priorities to fruition or take a project from from 10 years to four years, which is really important. Um, So, I mean, it's my community. I'm giving back. And, you know, I love the people I work with and I love local government. So it really is just a a great fit all around. Yeah. Well, I think no matter what, again, I've, I've spent very limited time in the private sector, but uh, in every community I've worked in uh, on both the public and private side, the question in, inevitably comes up. Is there a grant for that? Uh, you know, yeah, somebody stumbles across, they've got a, they got a parks project or a, or a building project and, and, and fresh in their mind is, is there, is there a grant for that? Um, particularly, we do most of our work in, uh, in New York and New York does have a robust set of funding sources. Um, but, but some of the coaching I give people right out of the gate, and, and you and I do this a lot together, and that is, it, it's so much more, uh, I would say, effective for you to, as a community, to identify your priority projects absent a grant program. Don't be thinking about grants first. Think, be thinking about priorities first. So can you talk a little bit about how you work with communities to help identify their priorities? Yes, absolutely. And, and that is absolutely correct. Uh, good good advice to give communities because if you, they're choosing to engage in a grant, they are choosing 
looking to, you know, take on a partnership with the state. And when they take on that partnership, there are, you know, there are responsibilities that can, um, you know, that they need to fulfill. So you want it to be a good fit. So you do want it to be a priority. And if you're going to dedicate the resources, which includes staff and time as well as money, you want to make sure that you are addressing one of your community's top priorities. And those top priorities, a lot of times come from the comprehensive plan or, you know, recent issues that have come up, Um, but engaging the community in those issues or issues that have come up recently at at the board meetings. um, It's important to have that list so that there is a focus and that when a grant potentially comes up, as you said, there is a reason to go after it. A grant, you know, they are a lot of work, they are commitment, and then you're in a partnership uh, with the state. So you really want to make sure that you're all in. It's not, well, maybe we want this. It's we, this is going to be great. And and I don't usually advise uh, a community to move forward with a grant until they feel that that sense of, oh my gosh, this could work. This could really, really work and will be worth the, the, uh, the work that will go into it. Both planning for the grant, potentially, you know, creating a timeline based on the state and then implementing the project itself, um, you know, based on the grant's timeline and the grant administration that will take place. So it's a real investment. And and if a community is moving forward with that, they want to be hitting their priorities. Yeah. And I, I coach people too. you know, don't, don't um, bend your, your priority because there's a funding source out there. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I like to, I like to run things out to their most farcical conclusion. So, uh, well, there's a big, there's a big pot of money out there that's, uh, that's supporting the expansion of, of uh, hazardous waste material landfills. Uh, now we've been pursuing a real nature oriented uh, tourism strategy, but I don't see grants for that, but there's millions of dollars available for, uh, for hazardous material storage. It, do, it just doesn't make sense. Don't compromise your, your community values just because there's money out there. Uh, because as you point out, when we're talking about partnership and we're talking about selling uh, a program or a project to a state agency, it sells a lot better if it's authentic, right? If the state sees the connection or the funder sees the connection between, uh, between what you're after and what uh, and what you have to offer and what you're after can never be money. That's not, it's just not the right answer uh, just because the money's there. So now we've, as a community, we've got our priorities. We've got a, ideally we've got a comprehensive plan that says over the next 20 years, here's everything we're going to do. Um, and we've pulled out some real specific capital projects that are, that are important to us. And we've started that funding scan. Um, and now we see, bingo, there's a match. I've got a, a waterfront park. I've got a big parcel on a waterfront park. And I see a grant out there that seems to fund waterfront parks. How do I get started on that application? Well, I mean, you can certainly look for those applications, um, but I it's great to have someone who's done it before. And you're never the first person who's written a grant. So there might be a community close by. Think about projects around you that may have, you know, engaged in a very similar project and call them up. Say, hey, you know, were you working on this project? Did you work with this agency? Was it a good, was it a good fit? And then, you know, of course, first and foremost, you want to read the guidance that goes along with the grant application because a grant, you know, is is a commitment. A grant equal is a commitment. And you want to make sure that if you want to enter 
enter into this relationship, that your your eligibility is strong, that the application you'll submit is is competitive, um, and that the the amount of funding is going to get you where you want to be. And a lot of times, some grants will only fund a project once, so it might be in your best interest to take this project that, of course, is a top priority and divide it into phases and then fund the the project through through some phases as well um, would be would be my first would be my first thought um, and you, what you do have to be careful is is of deadlines grants are not usually always open there is there's scheduling to grants there is definitely a flow to New York State grants in particular they allow they, they release a large amount of grants uh, May 1st through the end of July which is called the consolidated funding application um, and so if, if you're looking into a, into a grant that you think really is going to be in part of that, you want to work that into your timeline and work that into your um, development of the grant. And so when you move into the development of the grant, um, that's when you want to make sure the agency you're going to be working with knows your project. You know, you know your project. You have community um, involvement towards this project. Did you talk about this project at your town board meeting? So you can show in the minutes that this isn't a project that we came up with 10 minutes ago because we saw the funding. This project has been, we've been looking at this, you know, parcel for, for, for the past six years or even the past two years based on potentially certain events that took place or certain opportunities that came about, which is why it's on your radar. And that's a good thing to, um, to highlight in the grant. So when you're writing the grant, if you're at that, at that piece, um, you do want to answer every question um, and, and never put N.A. for anything. And it was funny. I was on, a, I was watching a web yesterday and, and they said don't put na and i was like yes <laughs> yes correct you've not put na um and as matt mentioned you are selling your community and you're selling your project to the agency so developing relationships there you, so far as if you're doing a parcel of land that you've got this plan for and an agency representative is willing to come out and take a look at that property and do a tour with you so they feel your community that's fantastic get that connection get that buy-in um send them a thank you note the things that can really make a difference and create a connection that is far beyond Matt, as you said, just the project. You're not asking for money. You're asking for someone to come in and help you move your community forward with your vision. And, and that's, that's what makes a great grant. Yeah. And I, I think, so there, for, from my perspective, there's, a, there's almost two parts to it. One is, is making sure that it's a, it's the right match to begin with, that the funding source is the right match. The timing is a good match. Um, the commitments that you're, that you're prepared to make are a good match for the, for the agency's commitments. Um, and then understanding the scoring criteria, right? All of these grants, most of the grants that we work with, we'll tell you up front, here's, here's how we score these things. And that NA thing is a, gr- is a great point. I always, I Emily's heard this story too many times or this analogy too many times, but I think of it like the SATs. I remember prepping for the SATs and they told us the only way to get at, to guarantee yourself zero points on a question is to not answer it. Um, and uh, and so if you're, if you're uh, willing to take a shot, then you've got a chance at some, at some point. So if you understand the scoring criteria, you answer every question, um, then really it's just about telling your story inside of the framework of the state's scoring criteria or the funders scoring criteria. And in case, in case Emily wasn't explicit about it at the beginning, one of the things that she has taught me um, over and over again is read the guidance cover to cover twice, right? So one of the, after you do this a few times, uh, whether you're a local government official or a, or a 
private agency um, or a grant writer, you get uh, you get used to funding sources. Oh, yep, I know that funding source. I know that agency. It comes out every year, still the same program manager. Um, so I'll just take last year's application or this other community's application and work it in uh, into my project. Um, we know for a fact that every year these things are subject to change. They just are. Uh, and the littlest change can can mean the difference in your grant application. The other the other uh, thing that that I think about this may be a little bit cynical, but this is another thing that Emily has taught me is that an agency could be looking at, you know, 40 or 50 grants or more uh, grant applications or more right in front of them. They got 50, 60, 70 grant applications from communities everywhere. The fastest way to narrow that to 30 is to find a reason not to read a grant application. And so if you skim through the guidance or skip the question, skip the section because it looked too legalese or too boring to you, there's a chance that you missed a piece of guidance that they don't say, well, yeah, it's, they missed everything. They got everything but this one thing. We're going to consider them. That's just not how it works. They're going to they're going to bump your application. So, read the guidance, answer every question, and sell your project. Uh, sell your project at, uh, within the state's box. So now you've won. You're you're a big winner. You're one of the few and the proud and the brave who've, who've made it all the way through this process. And your state senator shows up with the big cardboard check. The bank doesn't take those checks, right? That's that they don't. You don't just go to the bank with that big cardboard thing and hand it across the across the teller window. What's next? What happens next? When can I start spending my money? All right. Well, uh, again, you're in a partnership. So you want to be in partnership with your agency. So you want to be in contact with your agency. They're going to reach out to you and send you, you know, a, a letter saying that you've won there. They may then say, we now need you to confirm that you've won. And that may be a 15 day window. So you want to read that letter. Don't read the opening and say you've won and be like, yes, read through the whole letter. Cause it might say, you know, we please contact us in the next 15 days. And if not, we'll assume that you don't want this grant. <laughs> so always read the guidance and read the full letters. Letters not usually that long. So just read the full letter. Um, and then you really need to go into contract with the agency. Um, it might be a different agency than the agency you applied for. The agency that um, did the reading of the application might be different than the, than the agency or a different office that is actually distributing the funding. So you need to now go into contract with the agency that is distributing the funding. And you might feel like you're re-preparing a lot of the same uh, materials, but the, those are the materials that ensure that your community is solid, ready to be in contract, you're in good standing. So you enter this contract and the agency will have a list of how things will go. The number one thing you don't want to do is start your project. Uh, bef just because you've got the big cardboard check, which I don't know if the bank would take. I haven't tried it. Um, but you, you don't, just because you got the award money or you know you've won the award, that's really the start of a new process. It's not the start of the project. It's the start of a new process. And you want to be working with the agency to make sure that if you were to, you know, when you start and when you start spending money, what is applicable? Because only certain things potentially are reimbursable and they might be reimbursable according to a certain date. And you can't backtrack, you know, once you've spent the money, it's very difficult to unspend the money. Uh, and, and you really want to be following their rules. And it would be wonderful if all the agencies had the same rules, um, but they don't, and they're able to change them. So um, you do really having that partnership with, uh, with the agency is so key. And that communication to say, we are so grateful for this funding and we want to do it well. What's next? Don't be afraid to say, what do I have to do now? Um, 
because you're in it together and you both, you know, both parties, it's in the best interest for both parties to succeed. So usually it is a great partnership, um, moving the project forward in the smoothest, most streamlined fashion by asking questions and working together. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great overview. I, I, and I've been thinking about two stories. I like to, I usually like to, to top this off with a story or two. And, and I've been thinking about two stories that highlight a couple of the things that you, that you, um, showcased here. And one started out bad and ended great. And one started out questionable and ended great. And both of them, um, involve Emily and her team. The, uh, the first one is, is to Emily's last point about when you can start the project, what, what happens when you get the award, the cardboard check and all that. Um, we, we, we work with a lot of communities and one of the communities we worked in has a real just crackerjack mayor, a, a guy who's out front always. He wants to get these projects done. He's been very passionate about particularly his waterfront and, and he was shot out of a cannon uh, after, after receiving an award uh, and uh, immediately moved to start, to start making this project happen. So he had planned for it, got it, had a really good, strong plan. He had uh, identified a funding source that was a great match for it, made the application, was successful, won the grant, uh, and then started going, started turning wrenches and getting things done. And um, about a year or so into it, he called us and said, you know, something squirrely is happening here. I haven't gotten my money yet. I haven't gotten any money yet from the state. And, and so uh, can you can you help me get my money out of the state? And so we, we started poking at it a bit. And Emily and her team went to work unpacking um, the issues. And it turns out he hadn't read that contract yet. He hadn't signed that contract yet. He didn't have um, a funding project number from the state and and, uh, and a couple of other critical elements um, that kind of put him at risk. Now, because Emily and her team are just straight up rock stars, they were able to pull pull that uh, out of pull that rabbit out of a hat and were able to get uh, the entire the entire reimbursement to the project. But don't make that the norm um, for a couple of reasons. One, there's no guarantees, uh, right. and it, you know it, if if the state moves into financial crisis, they could just as easily say, "Hey, everybody who didn't follow the rules is you're out." Uh, and and uh, and so now now you've extended yourself. Um, and two, the state doesn't want to work with people like that. They want to work with communities that are good stewards of the funds and good stewards of the process. Um, so the, being good stewards of, of the funds, that was no question. That mayor was going to do it first rate and he did. And the project is successful and it's beautiful. Um, but when, if you ask the agency, hey, how were they to work with? They might say, well, you know, we had to spend a little extra time getting these folks out of the out of the weeds. And so, uh, so just be mindful of that. And the second one is a personal one for me. Um, and uh, many of you know that before I was an MRB group uh, employee, I was a client. And um, so I was like, before I was a partner with Emily, I was a client of hers. And, and um, we had a, a city hall project. And I just knew, because I just know things, I just knew that you don't, they don't make grants for city halls. It's administrative and it's boring and it's, there's nothing, there's nothing more just broad and general as a city hall project. And so we had a, we had a city hall project that we wanted to, we wanted to get done. I, the way I managed consultants at the time was to, to integrate them into my day to day. And so, uh, my, my management team had a had a capital projects meeting uh, once a month, and I made sure that my consultants were at that capital projects meeting with my with my management team. And a lot of times, and for maybe three or four months in a row, the consultant would just be dutifully taking notes um, and listening and understanding what was going on. But that one time uh, when we basically said, "Hey, we've got this city hall project that we think we're going to have to shell." Uh, frankly, we didn't have the funding for it. We didn't have the political support for the for the funds that were going to be necessary to make it work. Um, I'd gotten some intimation from my leadership that, you know, if it were just a couple of hundred thousand dollars inside the goal line here, we'd 
be okay, but not for this number. And we, and so I mentioned at the meeting that we were, we were basically prepared to, to shelve the project. And my consultant who happened to be Emily said, Hey, you know, I understand the project to look like this. And it just happened to include an elevator and the elevator, uh, uh, was, uh, was geared toward providing, um, accessibility. It was an historic building and the elevator was geared toward providing accessibility to a public facility. And Emily had done her magic and the CFAs had just come out and she was able to match, uh, a gr- match a grant a, a grant funding source with ADA accessibility. And more than that, she was able to point to our comprehensive plan, which said equity and inclusion are, are key uh, are, are key foundational elements of our strategy uh, and yada, yada, yada. And at the end of the day, um, Emily was able to bring that uh, an additional th- 300 plus thousand dollars to the table, which got me inside the goal line to move that project forward. So, um, so it goes back to prioritizing at the beginning, having a strategy at the beginning, having a story to tell at the beginning, involving your grant writer at the beginning, not whether it's a consultant or not. A lot of you have internal grant writers um, on on your team, and that's fantastic. Those folks are are, uh, typically pretty awesome, but they can't be awesome if they're sitting four doors down from the meeting. Bring them to the meeting, integrate them, help them understand the story. So, uh, well, I hope that that this has been informative for everybody. I know it's always informative for me to sit with Emily and and hear her perspective. Uh, If you're in New York State, there are some key grant uh, grant deadlines out ahead of you. I'm sure you understand the consolidated funding application process, uh, the due date uh, on those programs, which I, how many are there this year, Emily? Over 30 typically? Yeah, yep. Usually right around 30 different grants from 10 different state agencies. And that so, will be July 30th. Yeah. The vast majority of program funds that are going to be released this year are coming out in this round, have come out in this round. Uh, and so if you're not familiar with it, jump to your Regional Economic Development Council's uh, website and uh, and download the 300 pages of guidance, or you can just call Emily. Um, she's uh, she's always around. Her her uh, she can be reached at via email at emily.palumbos at mrbgroup.com, uh, and she can be a great resource for you as you start to uh, start to match up your existing priorities with those funding sources. So Emily, thank you so much for the time and for your expertise. Uh, it's it's invaluable. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Building stronger communities is a collaboration between MRB Group and Finger Lakes One. Digital media. To learn more, visit smarterlocalgov.com and check out archived episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. Look for links to all those locations in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.